Our Bible reading tonight comes from the New Testament letter of 1 John. Our reading is 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. And if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find our reading on page 1021, page 1021. Our focus tonight is going to be on verses 5 to 10 of 1 John, but we'll read from verse 1 so that we understand the context in which those verses come. So 1 John chapter 1, reading the entire chapter together, and it's page 1021 of the Pew Bibles. This is God's word to us. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's keep our Bibles open before we think about this passage and we're going to pray before we do that. So let's pray again together. Father, we thank you for your word. And just as we have been reminded that you are light, so we remember that your word is life and truth for us. And we pray that you would speak to us as we would consider your word together now. We ask that you would be at work in our hearts by your spirit and would convict us of sin and would point us to our saviour, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We need to talk about sin. The great actor and film director Woody Allen claims to be an atheist. On one occasion he was asked the question, if there is a God and if that God should speak to you, what would you most want to hear him say? Woody Allen's answer speaks for all people. He said, if there is a God who should speak to me, I would most want him to say these three words, you are forgiven. What the Apostle John says is that the only way you will ever hear God say you are forgiven is if you speak the words, I have sinned. One person has said that there are nearly as many wrong ideas about sin as there are false ideas about God. We need to talk about sin. As a Christian, what do you do when you sin? What should you do when you sin? Sometimes even for Christians, sin is something we do and then deny. 
we love to rationalize it and we love to refine it. So sometimes we don't just take it as seriously as we should and uh, we don't understand the reality and consequences of our sin. We claim closeness with God, but then defy his will and live contrary to his character. What a scandal. Even for Christians, sometimes the three hardest words to say when they ought to be said are, I have sinned. As Elton John sings, sorry can seem to be the hardest word. But when we utter those words in sincerity, I have sinned, God's response is always, you are forgiven. Sin in our lives should be the anomaly, not the norm. We should be sensitive to the Lord and his word such that the moment we become aware of sin in our life, we immediately confess it and forsake it. If you keep God at arm's length, you will always have a hazy view of sin in your own life. But when you do sin, you have one of two choices. You can choose to cover it up. You can hide it, deny it, lie to God, others, and yourself about it. Proverbs 28, 13 is a sharp verse to remember when you choose to cover up your sin. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Your second option is to confess your sin, admit it to God and come clean before him and with yourself. Confession is the order of the day for a believer who sins. And that is John's point in 1 John chapter 1. For us as Christians, sin breaks our fellowship with God. And that needs explained slightly because there are some caveats to that statement. When a Christian sins, the fact that we are in the family of God does not change. It's really important to remember. When we sin as Christians, we are in the family of God and that does not and cannot change. God doesn't take his sinning children out of his family when they sin in the same way that you would disown your children if they disobey you. The forgiveness given to us by the grace through the atoning work of Jesus is permanent. Sin doesn't remove us from God's family, but it does break our fellowship with God. Sin grieves God. It breaks his heart. It puts a barrier between us and God in terms of fellowship. Tonight we're narrowing our gaze on 1 John 1, 5 to 10. And the structure of this paragraph is, is very, very interesting. Verse 5 gives us the basis for two appeals that John makes in verses 6 and 10. Simply put, in, in 1 John 1, 5 to 10, we see that God is light, so we should walk in the light, and we should not deny sin, but confess it. Let's think about the first part of that sentence together. God is light. Look at what John says in verse five. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Before John ever talks about us, he takes us to God. He talks about God. And the Christian life we need to remember all the time begins with God and not us. His message is simple. God is light. John makes a statement about the character of God three times in his writings. John wrote a gospel. He wrote three New Testament letters. In John 4, 24, he says that God is a spirit. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, he says God is love. And here John tells us what he heard from Jesus, that God is light. The statement is not in the gospels, but John 3, 19 says, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light 
because their works were evil. The phrase God is light has been interpreted in different ways. First, it could be a description of God's glory. Second, it could be a reference to God's revelation to man. Light enables us to see. Those two options are true, but the third option is probably more likely to be what John has in mind. He's pointing to the moral perfection of God. There isn't one blemish, stain, mark, or sin on the character of God. God is is absolute perfection. Even the sun has spots of darkness, but not God. He is absolute holiness and purity. One of the features of John's style of writing is to, is to state something posi- positively and then turn it around and put it in the negative. And that's exactly what he does here. He says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He uses a, a double negative to make his point abundantly clear. Not only is God light, but there's absolutely no darkness in him. Darkness is a, an apt metaphor to describe sin Unlike my heart, unlike your heart, where the light of the gospel shines, but where there are pockets of sin that we allow to go unchecked, God in his character and nature possesses no moral imperfection whatsoever. God is light. Seems very plain to us. Plain, boring maybe. But how often do we as Christians sin, hoping that God will not think so severely of our sin as the Bible says he does. How often do we think, well, God is is merciful. He won't be that hard on me. Surely he doesn't expect me to be always holy and self-denying. We rationalize and delude ourselves into thinking that God can be bargained with, bribed and, and bought off concerning our sin. John is crystal clear. God is light. The basis of our fellowship with God is the character and nature of God. Sin radically affects our fellowship with God. As a progression of thought in verses 5 to 10, there are three if we say statements. And each of these three statements is a, is a shot across the bow of every Christian for whom the word sin is beginning to lose its meaning. Have you, ever, have you met a Christian lately who just doesn't take sin seriously enough? And you can tell someone who's... who's whose life doesn't match his or her walk and talk. To talk and walk go together in the Christian life like, like two wings of an airplane. If my life does not match my word, something is wrong. There's a huge gap between cheap talk and an authentic walk. God is light, and that's the basis for the two appeals John now provides. God is light, so secondly, we should walk in the light. Look at verse 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If someone claims to be in fellowship with God and yet the way they live is characterized by sinful behavior, they are lying. One of the most common New Testament pictures to describe conduct is the word walk. Walk expresses the notion of behavior, conduct, and lifestyle. To walk in darkness is the opposite of walking in the light. The word walk is in the present tense and it, and it gives us a sense of a, of a habitual lifestyle. S- simply put, you, you can't walk in darkness and be practicing the truth at the same time. Truth is, is not only something to be, to, to be believed as we were thinking about on Sunday morning, but it's also to be lived out. W- walking in darkness can mean committing sin great or small, 
from physical violence to ruining someone's reputation to having an inappropriate thought life to cheating in an exam to fiddling your taxes to wasting time given by God or a thousand other sins of commission and omission, great and small, in thought, word, and date. All of that is walking in darkness. Walking in darkness can also begin when we fall into the trap of of renaming sins so they don't appear as bad. Uh, Political correctness is, is very good at helping us with that at the moment. A person nowadays isn't lazy. They're just motivationally dispossessed. A shoplifter isn't a thief. He's just a cost-of-living adjustment specialist. Sin does not lose its sinfulness by giving it a less offensive name. A skunk, by any other name, still stinks. In verse 7, John presents the opposite scenario. He says, if we conduct our lives in the light, if we live godly lives and behave as Christians should behave, because that is how God conducts himself, then we have fellowship with one another. How do we walk in the light? Well, the Bible says this about itself. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible teaches us how to live day by day in a way that pleases God and avoids sin. When you read and study the Bible, you discover where your life contradicts scripture and you can make the proper spiritual adjustments. Our ultimate reason for for obeying the word of God is, is love for Jesus too. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Walking in the light also means receiving a daily cleansing from sin. That's what's in view in the latter part of verse seven. It says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This reference to the blood of Jesus is another way of thinking about his death as an atoning sacrifice. We tend to think about the death of Jesus on the cross as being what takes away our sin when we come to him, for salvation initially for the first time. It's the death of Jesus that makes it possible for God to save us. But many of us don't stop to reflect on the fact of the ongoing benefits of the death of Christ for us. John writes in the present tense, the blood of Christ goes on cleansing us day by day from our sin. It's capable of cleansing us every time we sin as believers. Sin causes us to be spiritually soiled, But rites and rituals, sacraments and ceremonies, knowledge or experience cannot solve the problem of sin. As the old hymn puts it, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. God is light. There is no darkness in him. We should therefore walk in the light. And walking in the light means living our lives in light of what the Bible teaches and receiving daily cleansing from sin. And we should also confess sin, not deny it. That's the third thing in these verses. We should also confess sin and not deny it. Look at verse eight. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It seems impossible that anyone would make such a ridiculous claim. Surely surely everyone admits to being a sinner. Spurgeon once said that he who cannot find water in the sea is not more foolish than the person who can't perceive sin in his own life. Some people do seem to think that sin is non-existent. Sin is seen as, uh, as, the, as the dream of, of boring theologians who are intent on stopping people from having fun. But the testimony of the Bible is that every human being who enters this world is born with a sinful nature. 
John says that if we say we have no sin, two things result. We are self-deceived and the truth is not in us. The third, if we say, comes in verse 10. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John now addresses the concept of, of committing individual acts of sin. It is human nature to deny our sin. We don't want to face the reality of it. We're quick, quick to shift the blame onto somebody else. That's what Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3. If we say we have not sinned, well, again, two things result. We, we, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Instead of denying sin, though, John says we should confess it. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 1.9 is vital for every Christian to understand. Remember what you can do with your sin. You can either cover it up or you can confess it. Sin is a fact of life, but fortunately, it doesn't prevent our fellowship with God if it is confessed. Confession should always be the natural response the moment we become aware of sin. But human nature, being what it is, often minimizes the seriousness of what we've done. What does it mean to confess your sin? Well, when you confess your sin, you are agreeing with God that what he says about your sin is true. It's an admission of guilt. To confess your sin is, is not just saying, I got caught, I'm really sorry, but if I can get away with it, I'll do it again. That is not confessing your sin. Confession of sin is, is coming to the place where you honestly agree with God about your sin. Confession means genuine contrition and a genuine seeking of forgiveness. Psalm 51 is probably the best biblical example. Against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. That's what, what David says. Notice that when we confess our sin, God acts. He forgives your sin and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. How can he be both faithful and just to forgive sin in the life of a Christian? We've already heard the answer. Verse 7. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The death of Jesus on the cross actually covers all your sins, past, present, and future. When you, as a Christian, sin, you're not out of the family of God, but you do break fellowship with God. Sin breaks the heart of God. Sin takes you out of fellowship with him. And it takes you out of fellowship with fellow believers. But when you come to the place where you confess that sin, when you admit it for what it is, then at that point you call it, and at that point you call it what God calls it, God says, my forgiveness is extended to you on the basis of what Jesus has done on the cross. God is light. There is no darkness in him. We should walk in the light by living by the scriptures and cleansing ourselves daily. And we should confess sin not deny it. God is faithful and just, and the supreme expression of that is seen through Jesus' death on the cross. We need to talk about sin, but we also need to talk about forgiveness and about when sin meets forgiveness and what happens then. I don't know about you, but verses 5 to 10 are sharp and to the point and, and are ultimately very, very convicting because knowing my own heart there are times when I try and cover up sin. 
There are times when I will not confess it because I think I am right. And there are times when I walk in darkness rather than walking in the light. Ahead of Sunday, we should all spend time in the Lord's presence, perhaps reflecting on these words, remembering that our sin is great, that it is the reason for the great chasm, the the great wedge between us and God. Remembering that although we are not thrown out of God's family because of it, our fellowship with God is broken because of it. But we also need to land on the truth of the gospel, the glorious gospel of God, which tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1993, a lady called Alice Metzinger could stand guilty no longer. She turned herself into the authorities. Alice Metzinger was actually Catherine Parr, who was a university student in 1970, and who drove one of the two getaway cars after a bank robbery that went wrong. Catherine disappeared after the robbery. In the late 1970s, she moved to Oregon and started a new life as Alice Metzinger, She was in the FBI's most wanted list for years, but tormented by her guilt, she did the only thing that could end her agony. She confessed her crime. And what we need to remember in a similar way is that when we confess our sin, God is faithful. He will forgive us and he is just. He can forgive on the basis of Jesus' shed blood. His blood which was poured out on the cross his body and blood, which we will be reminded of in the elements we'll take on Sunday. Elements which remind us that the penalty is paid and that that our guilt is taken away. We need to talk about sin, but we also need to talk about forgiveness. God is light. We should walk in the light and we should confess sin, not deny it. Let's pray together. Father, how convicting these words of John in Scripture are. How challenging are they as well. Father, we pray that in the days before Sunday, we would take time to spend in your presence and to confess our sin to you. We pray that you would help us to keep short accounts with you, that we wouldn't allow sin to fester and grow in our hearts and lives. And we pray for grace to be able to confess our sin, to be able to turn from it and to turn to you. We thank you that Jesus' precious blood cleanses us from all sin, past, present, and future. And as we confess our sin, help us to come to rest in the gospel and to rest in what you have done for us. Father, we are so thankful that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How could we stand before you if that verse were not true? We thank you tonight for the gospel, and we pray that we would live in light of it. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.